Welcome to Pull a Pin Radio, a place where average veterans come to share their opinions of the world we live in. We can't guarantee you're going to like our opinions. But we promise we're going to enjoy giving them to you. I'm Jim. And I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. There you go. Let's pull the pin. All right. All right. We got, <laughs> we got Rough start, but we got it. That was classy. <laughs> that was classy. That was a blooper reel right there, man. All right. People are not going to know what we're talking about, but we'll show them later. Ah, topic for the day, guys. Afghanistan. Mm. The immediate withdrawal of Afghanistan. What's your take on it? Who wants to go first on that one? Well, you've been there, Mike. Let's let's hear you first. You've been there. Uh, I think it was long long overdue, and I have no problem with us withdrawing. I think it should have been a better exit plan as far as the equipment goes, but I think everyone here can attest to we've left equipment on bases before. Whether it was just we shut down the base or left the base in another country, we've done it before. So people are making a big deal about this, and I I just don't understand why. I think we can all agree that we probably long overdue to get out. I think everybody's on board to get out. We probably even shouldn't have been there. And the the equipment, I agree with you, because in some sense, we might have – we don't know the full story. The equipment might have been left for the Afghans to defend. Thank you. They they abandoned it. We didn't abandon it. Yeah. But the, the big question here on, on the, you know, and I see this and I'm, I see people wanting to blame Trump, wanting to blame previous presidents, wanting to blame, who's responsible for the withdrawal? Like, I don't care what any president did before. Who's responsible for, for this withdrawal? Trump. Of course it's Trump, right? <laughs> because he's our president right now, even though Biden is in the, in the White House, right? That's right. That's right. So I don't even know how you avoid that. I don't know how you avoid that topic. And, and weren't you there? Isn't there an airport that we controlled outside yeah. of the major city that we yeah. gave up before mm-hmm. we tried to fly everybody out? Right. But one thing that I, uh, what I noticed is how these Afghan forces were basically either running or just surrendering, surrendering to the uh, Taliban when they came in. If you guys remember the, what were they called? The Republican Guard? You know, when we got online and it's like we thought we were going to get into this huge firefight and they were like, no, we don't want to fight you guys. We don't want to fight. It's similar to me. That's what I say. It's like history repeating itself, except they were surrendering to us being the American forces. And now the Taliban has Afghan forces surrendering to them. So I'm like, really? Okay. Can you guys hear that? Very minimally. Okay. Yeah, I want to say yeah. I want to say no, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I see it's like history repeating itself, and I think a lot of people are upset when they see Afghans having using our equipment. Afghan, they talking about now these people who helped us are going to die, potentially, and I'm like, I feel for them. I really do, because I knew a lot of those guys over there, the Afghans, right? But I'm like, I just don't get it. Why would we, Why should we have stayed there? Even if we were in an uh, advisory capacity, you know, air uh, air support, that's what we and, were and doing. Intel, primarily. Intel yeah. and air support. Intel yeah. and air support. So I'm like, no, they, who knows? Maybe they wanted us out of there, you know? But then mm-hmm. that's not true when the president of the country, he left. He's somewhere in the state. So, yeah. So what's your guys' take on it? 
Go, Brian. Well, um, you know, initially, this might surprise you a little bit. Um, initially, I really didn't have much to disagree with when I heard Biden talking about when he went out and gave his remarks. And, and he said, you know, um, you know right? I mean, uh, no, I listened, I listened to what he had to say, and yeah. I listened to it, and I'm thinking, I don't really disagree with anything he's saying. And Trump actually had said some very similar things about not staying in these endless wars endlessly. But, um, you know, I've been listening to some other commentary and stuff since then, and I've kind of said, okay, maybe there's a little bit, a little bit more nuance to this. Um, the fact is we had gotten down to about 2,500 uh, military personnel in the country providing, uh, as Jim said, intelligence and air support. And we had trained their forces to fight the way we fight, which is relying on intelligence and air support. So in the last couple months, when we pulled the plug on that, um, it's not so, I don't think it's so much that the Afghan forces didn't want to fight or weren't capable of fighting. But when we, uh, when we said, no, we're just leaving, period, we're going to take off, everything's coming out, we're not going to give you the intelligence, we're not going to give you the air support, that, that kind of, that, that means that they're not fighting in a way that they were trained to fight, that we trained them to do the fighting. So, and somebody else pointed out to me, we had taken a step back from the lead role in combat in 2014. So for the last seven years, they've been the ones doing the fighting and taking the casualties for the most part. They've taken like 50,000 casualties in the last seven years. I'm talking about the Afghan fighting forces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whereas our casualty numbers are way down, I don't think we've had a casualty in Afghanistan for like a year and a half. So it's not exactly true to say that for us it was an endless war. We were providing them with, with some support that we provide in countries all around the world exactly. uh, that you never even hear about. And it's like, you know, that, that's somewhat necessary. Um, now, I did hear a lot of comparisons, and like Mike's talking about, history repeats itself. A lot of people were talking about that this is just like Vietnam and the fall of Saigon. But a lot, what a lot of people don't understand about the end of the Vietnam War, and I've, I've read a lot about this because I used to study a lot about Nixon. Um, you know, we, we took our combat troops out of Vietnam in 1973. That's when the Paris Peace Accords were signed. What a lot of people don't realize about Vietnam is Saigon didn't fall for another two years, right? So we ended our combat role in 73. Saigon didn't fall till 75. So for two years, the South Vietnamese forces that we trained and equipped were surviving. We were providing them with money and equipment. So what happened in 1975 was that the Congress actually passed a law to defund that. And uh, because they, they wanted no further involvement at all. And it wasn't until the U.S. Congress pulled a rug out from under the financial support and materiel support that they felt. So and, the, and there are political reasons why that happened, because right in between 73 and 75, you had Watergate happen. You had Richard Nixon resign and all that. So by 75, everyone was like, we can't leave Richard Nixon with any kind of legacy at all. We're going to pull the rug out from under that. We're we're going to abandon the people that we trained in South Vietnam to fight that war. So it was only when that rug was pulled out from them that they failed. And one of Richard Nixon's enduring 
regrets about the way he left office was that he felt that if Watergate had never happened and he hadn't had to resign, that South Vietnam would have survived as a country and it probably would be divided to this day, just like South Korea and North Korea. But I think there is somewhat of a parallel to what's going on in Afghanistan now in that I think our forces really were not in the lead in that fight at all. We were providing them primarily with financial support, materiel support, intelligence, you know, airstrikes when needed, uh, fairly limited role. And well, I wouldn't say the Afghan forces were necessarily winning, whatever that means. They were at least in a stalemate with the Taliban and able, able to keep them at bay. And there were a lot of contested parts of the country, from what I understand, but they were somewhat able to hold their own uh, as long as they had that support from us. So it's an interesting question. Would South Vietnam have survived as a country if we hadn't pulled the rug out from under them? You could ask the same question. Would the Afghan government have survived if we hadn't done the same thing? And um, you insert into that even a third consideration, which is Iraq. Exactly 10 years ago, we had the same thing happen. You know, we had uh, all the troops pulled out of out of Iraq at the end of 2011 because there was an election coming. And the president at that time was Obama and he had campaigned on ending the Iraq war. So we just arbitrarily, based on our own domestic political consideration, pulled all the troops out of Iraq. And we were treated to exactly the same imagery of people running around with our equipment, our Humvees, our rifles and machine guns, right? Waving uh, the, the ISIS flag while they stole all of our equipment and took over everything. So this is exactly an echo of that pullout. And then what did we have to do? A couple of years later, I think 2014, we went right back in and had to fight ISIS all over again. So are we going to get sucked back into Afghanistan in a couple of years in the same way that we got sucked back into Iraq after a couple of years after we left them behind? So there are there are parallels to history here with Vietnam and with Iraq. But you know, what's the future? I don't know. I mean, we know that we're going to be seeing all kinds of stories about human rights violations. We know what they're going to do with women and children. We know what they're going to do with the people who supported our forces. It's not going to be pretty. Are we going to go back? Is it going to be in our national interest to go back? You know, I don't know. What about the U.S. citizens are still there? Well, that's an, you know, there's another echo to history there, too. Remember um, Benghazi? You know? We, we don't have a great history of planning these things and looking after our people, which is, it's a disgrace. We're supposed to be the preeminent power in the world, right? And right. Uh, You could find Osama bin Laden in a hole, but we can't figure out how to get a bunch of troops out when we own an airport outside the city. Yeah, it just, just like we had that problem in Benghazi, Libya, back in, uh, I think it was 2012, I think it was, or was it 2011, with... Uh, when they, they were attacked in Benghazi and, and uh, nobody came to get them for 13 hours, you know. Um, it, it's And this is on an even bigger scale because now we're talking about 10,000 or more American citizens. They're going to have to get out of there, you know. It's, uh, it's really shameful. And the, the thing that, um, beyond just the people that are affected by it, you know, this has some, uh, this has some real strategic importance to the country in terms of our foreign policy because you've got u.s allies that look at that and they kind of wonder 
what our capabilities are. So I've seen um, people already talking about if if you're if you were Taiwan at this point, or if you were South Korea, you might be kind of wondering what the value of that alliance is. Like, if you're if you're China and you're looking at this and you're going, maybe we should go just go ahead and take take over Taiwan. The United States really can't follow through on anything, right? So you have to wonder how this is changing the calculus for our adversaries and our strategic competitors. You know, what, what, what does China take away from this? What does Russia take away from this? You know, uh, Osama bin Laden actually very famously said that uh, the lesson he learned from Black Hawk Down, from the Mogadishu stuff, was that the U.S. was a paper tiger. And if you made us bleed a little bit, we would just pull out, right? And so it was from that that... Uh, Osama bin Laden got the idea to start bombing our embassies overseas and attacking U.S. interests and eventually, you know, got emboldened enough to lead up to 9-11. So, um, I don't know. Is that wisdom validated by this? I don't know. I mean, in some ways, we have, I, I think historically, we don't have an appetite for prolonged conflicts in this country, you know? And Mike, you're on mute well, if you're talking. Nope, can't, can't hear you. Mike. Maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> it's probably your headset because it's not that's the a, program. A, now the, the program's ever, muted. That's the best he's ever sounded. Right? It's the most sense he's ever made. Can you hear oh, me? Oh my God, yes. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you said, Jim, but shut up. Hey, uh, <laughs> what I was saying, there's, there's a flip side to that. I truly believe it. Um, if you look at it, we we pulled out. They were overrun, taken over, whatever, destroyed. So it does show that, you know, alliance with us will, you know, can keep you in the fight. And that's basically yeah. what I was trying. I was trying not to interrupt Brian while he was talking, but that's the way I see it as well. You know, that's the flip side of it all. When you say, you know, these other... Uh, countries, they see that and say, wow, can America really do this, really do that? I say there's a flip side to where those who are allies with us right now, they see, yeah, we might want to keep them, you know, you know, uh, at bay right there. So if they do leave, that's going to happen to us. Right. You know, people complain that uh, we were there for 20 years and they say it was America's longest war and, you know, uh, 20 years was too long part of me wants to agree with that part of me wants to agree with the the the, the uh the notion that you, you can't make a country want to be a functioning democracy and and have you know small r republican or small d democratic values if we don't want it. but the flip side of it is if you want to make lasting change in a society like that look at what the british had to do to modernize india they went in, they occupied the place for a century and a half, they colonized it, and now it's the world's largest functioning democracy. Not that it doesn't have its problems, but, um, you know, you have to have the stomach for a long fight. Our adversaries have the stomach for a long fight because it's their neighborhood, whether it's mm -hmm. the Taliban, whether, whether it's the Taliban, whether it's the Sunnis in Iraq, whether it's uh, China, whether it's mm. any of these adversaries that we face in the world, they have the stomach for a long fight. And I think recent history, at least post-World War II history for this country, shows that we don't. 
That's true. I was reading a piece by uh, Condoleezza Rice, and she compared it to uh, Korea and Germany, yep. you know, and how we're still in Kuwait and yep. how it doesn't look like we're going to leave uh, Iraq. And I was like, you know, looking at it from that standpoint, I get it. Maybe we should still be over there. I, I probably know? agree with that. And, yeah. and then the role we were, right? The support. Yeah, yeah in that role, yeah. Because if you really look at it, it was working. Right. And, yeah. it, and, you know, just the images, did you see the plane and the people? And, like, yeah. I mean, that, that broke my heart to think these people yeah. were willing to die to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. And I told, it's like I told my wife, man, uh, Alicia, Jim, I told, her, I told her, I said, that took me back to 9-11. Yeah. When people had the fire behind them and they just up there, 70 stories, they just, the only option was, is either stay here and burn or jump. Yeah, I was trying to explain that to my yeah. son when I saw that. I, and I did. I could. I choked up. I couldn't almost do it. I was like, just what it would take to do that. Yeah. But also, somebody did notice. Where were the women and children? They were at the gate. They were. They must be waiting at the gate for the husbands yeah, to stop the plane, right? Yeah. They showed a lot of them at, at the gate. Yeah. But right when the plane was moving, all I saw was men. So they oh, yeah, were yeah, trying yeah, to I'm stop sorry. the plane. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It was sad. It was sad, man. Yeah. So I, I was kind of uh, on the fence with it, but once I read that uh, that piece by uh, Condoleezza Rice, I was like, "Yeah, I can see it." And she's somebody that I respect. I respect as well. So, you know, I don't respect none of you guys. Well, that's that's cool. We, yeah. You know, it's mutual. <laughs> yeah, it's mutual. I, I mean, even like when you were talking about the uh, the weapons and stuff, right? So yeah, that's one thing. The weapons. But I heard, too, they left back the biometrics of all the people that were helping the U.S. Like, they literally have a list of all the people. I don't know, you know, what that means or what, what access that is or what that is, but they were talking about going door-to-door -door looking for people. Yeah, so, yeah, but just because they have that equipment doesn't mean they can access the information. Yeah, well, I saw them using the gym equipment. They couldn't even figure out how to use that, so. That's my case. Okay. <laughs> But I did well, want to make one point, one point to all the fools out there. This, what the Taliban did, is an insurrection. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Notice wrong. they had guns. They took over. The president left. He's not wrong. <laughs> like some people out there saying things like, oh, Taliban took them 48 hours or whatever amount of time. Uh, as the Americans fleed, I was like, it's not like they chased us away. You, no. you get what I'm saying? It's like, I, I didn't like that, that verbiage that I was reading, man. I said, nah, sensationalism at its best, once again, the media. So I just try to ignore it. You know, they 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 did overrun the, uh, I, well, you can't really call it an overrunning. It was more like they just gave up. The Afghan forces just gave up. I think they were doing well when they had us backing them. They weren't ready to be in the fight by themselves, as we, we reference. But we had Korea to see that coming, right? Germany. I mean, didn't we know that was going to happen? I mean, like Biden said, none of this would happen. He was on on, on a speech on a platform. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He said none of it would happen. We had to know this was going to happen. Then why would he say it if he knew? Because it was on his teleprompter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I think he was trying to be optimistic. I mean, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, Trump said about his initial comments when COVID got started. He was challenged on that later that he downplayed it in the beginning. 
his, his answer to that was, I didn't want to create a panic, you know. Well, yeah. you could kind of see Biden saying the same thing, like, well, you know, I didn't want to talk about rapid collapse because I didn't want to make it come true. You know, I didn't want to utter a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, well, hold on, though, Brian. Let, let me be fair, because Mike knows I'm going to defend Trump anyway. Let me be fair. <laughs> Trump was talking about a virus we had no control over. This we had control over. We had a controlled well, exit that we could have managed yeah. or not managed. Well, but I'm just saying that in, in, in a narrow sense of why would Biden go out there and say that if he knew this was going to happen? I, probably just to be as optimistic as possible, <coughs> even though he knew he was peddling bullshit. But it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, I don't think it would have mattered who was president when we did this. If we chose this particular path of, uh, of just getting out, it, it wouldn't have made a difference because, um, yeah, like I think Mike pointed out, these uh, the Taliban's been walking into these different cities unopposed. They've taken them back without a shot being fired. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like just like in in Iraq, like he mentioned with our invasion when the the Fedayeen and all that uh, just melted away and and didn't challenge us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing. It's like so that I, I think that's what people are talking about when they say that. Um, that they're giving up without a fight. It's not so much that the Afghan forces didn't fight because they have been fighting for the last, you know, however many years. But the problem is the the people at large, the will the will to uh, resist the Taliban just isn't there. You know, we haven't sold it enough. We haven't sold them on the idea of modernization, westernization enough to make them want it. And they don't fear the Taliban enough to really resist them, I guess. Well, I think that goes back to, to, to the beginning of the Why were we, we even there? If you want to say it was a threat to us, I get it. But we need to stop interfering with internal countries' business. If the Taliban is the dominant force in that country, then let them figure it out. And then if that country becomes a problem to us, then it's a problem to us. But we shouldn't be going in there picking and choosing who's going to be in charge of the country. True. Well, I agree. Just, just, playing, devil, just playing devil's advocate then. Um, understand that there's a lot of great power competition that goes on in the world. We have strategic competitors like China and Russia. So if there are contested spaces around the world and we decide to have a non-interventionist policy, what happens when some of those countries decide to exploit that and go in and assert their national value? Well, let me, let me, let me, let me preface this because I, in my point, what I'm saying is internal. If China wants to take Taiwan and Taiwan says we're not part of China, that's external to me then we may have to defend Taiwan against a power taking them over. But if people in Taiwan, or, or Korea, if North Korea and South Korea are fighting it out, who's going to own the country, well, who are we to say? Like, who are we to say who should own the country? They all live there. You, you get what I'm saying? It's, it's one thing to be taking over another country. It's another thing to decide within your country who's going to run it. Well, but I think the... Uh... I don't think we ever particularly uh, invest a lot of emotion in the internal aspect of those conflicts. They may be internal conflicts, but we're always looking at how those puzzle pieces fit onto a broader game. You know, like, um, so for example, in Korea, if we were to be involved, well, and we were involved in that, uh, that internal conflict, but it's not, not so much just in our interest which side controls the peninsula, it has implications, broader implications for the region, right? Because you have Japan right there, you have China right there, you have Far East or Russia right there. Um, 
So it's not so much that we're interested in the internal aspect of any conflict, but it does have implications. Um, going all the way back to Vietnam, right? The, the fear and the reason we were as involved as we were in Vietnam was something that people talked about called the domino theory. That, you know, we have to fight for South Vietnam because if we don't and South Vietnam falls, then all these other South, uh, Southeast Asian countries are going to fall, like Laos, Cambodia, uh, potentially Thailand, all, uh, Myanmar, all these other places, so that communism would just go unopposed throughout the whole region. So we weren't necessarily, didn't have a stake in that internal conflict. We were more concerned with the, the broader implications for the region. But isn't that our, isn't that our prediction, our interpretation? I mean, we could easily said that would happen, but what if it didn't happen? What if we were there or didn't well, go there and it just didn't happen? Yeah, that's one of those things where you hope for the uh, best, but you prepare for the worst. Right, but but um, what I'm saying is is we can say communism would have spread, but that's a speculation. So right. we're going to war over a speculation. Now, it'd be different if they came in and then they took the next one. We could see, okay, here's an overt act or, you know, right in front of us, that it is spreading. We need to stop it. Yeah. Well, in some ways, it's always, uh, they're always employing game theory. They're always looking at potential, you know, contingencies for, for any of those things happening. I mean, um, the, do the domino theory, in effect, did come true somewhat. There was some uh, 20 or 30 million people that ended up falling under the sway of... Uh, authoritarian governments after South Vietnam fell. You had that it led directly to the killing fields and Pol Pot. So in a certain sense, you know, it was valid that if we didn't hold the line there that other countries would fall to regimes that were hostile to our interests. So yep. the, the the question in Afghanistan is is this going to turn back into something that affects our national interests? You have uh, you know, you're going to have the Taliban resurgent there. You know, could they destabilize Pakistan? Are they going to use Afghanistan as a base to destabilize Pakistan? Pakistan has nuclear weapons. What happens if the Taliban gets strong enough and they start trying to affect things domestically within within Pakistan? Yeah, another thing we have to look at is a lot of these uh, gentlemen from the Afghan forces now will have a whole lot of resentment towards America and join now join with the uh, Taliban. Yeah. And then share information, share intel. Well, that's yeah. what happened. Uh, that That's what helped form Al-Qaeda, right? Those guys, yeah. they were the guys we helped when they were fighting the Soviets. Yeah. We trained them, we equipped them, they turned around, they became Al-Qaeda, and they opposed us. I mean, it could be exactly well, the same yeah. thing. And that goes to my point, is, is why do we get to pick which side we think should win because of speculation? You know well, what I mean? Like, well, go ahead, Brian. Maybe so. Uh, uh, the the Russians thing might have been legit. If their Russian is invading them, sure, we may come in and defend them, or may come in because, like I said, that's an external threat, and we're preserving the, you know, the the integrity of the country that's being attacked. But if it's internal, who are we? Why, why do we get to pick who wins internally? I, I see your point. I, I really do. You know, well, let them fight it out, and whoever the victor is, that's who we uh, try to make peace, if you will. Make peace with the uh, the, the winning side. I mean, I think, Rand Paul and, I think Rand Paul and Ron Paul try to make that point a lot. Like, 
you know, why should we have a dog in the fight in any internal conflict, you know? Right. Why pick, why pick a side? I mean, there's, it's a valid question, you know? Yeah. We might be able to go in and, and try to say, you know, well, one particular side is so anathema to our national values, like in the case of the Taliban with the, the human rights violations and stuff. Maybe that makes it clearer for us that we're going to go in and uh, and oppose that just on the basis of what the nature of the regime. But, but yeah. if you look at values, like, for example, like let's say we have a, a national interest, like maybe our oil is coming from someplace. That I understand because that affects our, our pocketbooks and stuff like that. But you can't look at values or even religion because then that validates their reasons for going into other countries. Mm. What business do we have to go in and defend people who share our values? Why don't they, can't they go in and, and, and you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I just think we need to stay out of these things, for one, unless we are absolutely needed, you know, in the grand scheme, like it's a world effort or... Uh, it is our interest. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, maybe yeah. the best thing to do is, if you, if you look back on it, maybe the best thing to do in Afghanistan was go in, do what we needed to do, and then uh, not get into the nation-building thing. And even, right. But every single time, whether it's Iraq, whether it's, uh, whether it's Afghanistan, there's, we always face that moment after we've, finish the conventional force-on-force -force military conflict, what do we do with it now? We broke it. Now there's a power vacuum. If we just pack up and go home, somebody else is going to come in and make it worse. So do we stay and stabilize it, or do we just, right? And, well, in the, you know, we tend to err in, on the side of staying and trying to stabilize it. Well, isn't that, isn't that the, the scheme of things? Isn't that the pattern? Uh, we decide to go to war, so we spend billions of dollars, and certain people in this country get filthy rich because they get to choose who gets that money. And then we go over there, spend billions of dollars, drop bombs that cost billions of dollars, destroy everything. And then we spend billions of dollars to rebuild it. And it fails. Like, where does this even make sense? All that. I can't make sense of it. Like, even now I'm thinking, you know, because I hear talks about, you know, well, we should be blowing up some of these buildings and, and all these things. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, so if the Taliban walks into a city and we go blow up that city and then they leave, well, weren't we just duped? I mean, like, <laughs> duh. Then we'd have to go in and build the city back up. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it, it just, it's dumb to me. But I'm not a general and I'm not worried about, you know white rage <laughs> Afghanistan leave it there <laughs> well that was the same general that's in charge of that Mike yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so he's more concerned with what what that's happening with white rage than he is about how to get 10,000 10, American citizens out of Afghanistan well yeah remember he's following orders too man so I know he's the general but well then you know, who, where do you put it Mike like who's in charge of the exit Hey, I'm sorry. Once you're in the seat, the president, I hold him accountable. I don't care so, what it is. I just hold him accountable. Once you take over, everything that happens, hello, it's on you. I don't believe in letting people just take the good and, you know, nah, it's just like now. I'm not going to let people talk to me and say everything good about Biden, but uh, say things bad about Trump. 
You know what I mean? And if it's something bad, oh, well, you know, Trump started. No, you don't get to do that with me. I'm sorry. No, you got to own it. This goes back to choices, right? You still have choices to make. That's right. You chose to let Trump's policy go, or you chose to do a new one, or you chose to whatever. This outcome is your choice. Exactly. I'll point something out, too. I'll point something out. Uh, We've seen this, this movie before, too, because when it happened in Iraq 10 years ago, at the time... Now, keep in mind, at that point, Obama had been in for like three years, right? Most of his mm-hmm. first term. They blamed the rapid uh, withdrawal from Iraq on Bush because they said, oh, well, all we did was stick by the timeline that the Bush administration had negotiated. Uh, you remember that. <laughs> and, um, and guess whose job it was on behalf of the administration to negotiate the extension to that? Do you remember who was put in charge of that? Joe Biden. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. Wow. Okay. It was Joe Biden's job to go negotiate an extension. Well, he he didn't want to extend it, and neither did Obama. They wanted to get right. out of there. But they did that same little rhetorical trick. They tried to say, well, you know, this timeline was agreed to by our predecessor. We had nothing to do yeah. with that. You know, right. They, they like they didn't talking. stop building the wall because Trump already agreed to that. Like, come on, guys. Seriously? Mm. Yeah. They act like, yeah, it's just like Mike says. They take the good to bad. If they wanted to stop the wall, they did, right? Even though Trump had a timeline, people were paid. It cost us millions of dollars. They yeah. did that. Now, all of a sudden, well, we couldn't do anything because it was Trump's plan. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Are we really that stupid? Like, are yes. We, yes. You know, some are, yes, some are. Yeah. It gets, it gets old, old and tiring. It really does get old. And it's true because, like I said, I've seen somebody on – Facebook, which I try to avoid, the same thing, going back to the same Trump story. And I'm just mm-hmm. sitting here like, are you serious? Are you still trying to blame Trump for what we just did now? Yeah. Like now? Yep. <clears throat> but that's like that's what these people do. They, you know, like, you know, Mike accuses me of defending Trump all the time, but you know, I'll call him when he's wrong. And you never call. Because <laughs> he's never wrong. Well, yeah, I've said things about the, the interesting thing here is going to be how much longer this continues, because I don't think this this situation over there with the evacuation is going to end anytime soon. So no. and, and inevitably you can almost and I hope it doesn't happen, but you can almost guarantee at some point in this in this process, we're going to lose an American or somebody's going to get held hostage or, mm-hmm. wounded or God forbid killed. And that person's going to become the face of this failure. You just know it. Yeah. And. Yep. How you know? Are we still going to be dealing with this a month from now? Are we still going to be dealing with it two months from now? Maybe. Well, I, think, I believe so. I, I think Biden and Saki, Jen Saki, are their only vacations only a week. So, I think that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you think it's got to end sometime? Cycle by then. Yeah, it's got to end. It's sometime then, so they don't have to answer any more questions. It'll, it'll, probably, it'll go out of the news cycle, but I guarantee you it's going to come back in. Guaranteed, yeah. it has to. It'll it'll what have you, no choice. Is, what do you think, Mike? You think we're back in three years to, to do it all over again, or you think? We're oh yeah, oh yeah. Not like we once were, but yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna. Like I said, man, I really feel like it's gonna be like Iraq. Didn't he just you know? activate six thousand troops to go back in and fix uh, what we just messed up? Oh, I thought that was just to help out the Americans to evacuate the Americans. Yeah, yeah. right. But that's what we messed up. We got ten thousand people still. Oh, okay. There. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's what I thought. They just said we're pulling out twenty five, but now we're sending back six. But now that goes to what Brian was just talking about. God forbid during this we lose one of those six thousand, 
or one gets taken hostage or something. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. They could have had a better plan. I just don't understand why they didn't just use the airport we already had outside the city. Start funneling people in there slowly. We already owned the airport. We had everything yeah. there. Like I don't get it. Well, here's something too to think to think about. Um, you look at uh, what happened after Benghazi with that whole de- debacle and stuff, and it's going to happen this time too. You know damn right well nobody's going to be held accountable for it. Nobody's losing their job over it. Nobody's losing yep. rank over it. After Benghazi, they gave awards to the people that really made that all happen. Um, mm. You know, and people got promotions. So you can blame Biden all you want and these other civilian political appointees, but you know, you know that, that none of these generals or anything. You guys, I'm sure, both know when anything goes wrong in the military, they find the lowest ranking enlisted guy to hang it on, and, and right <laughs> or look at uh, Abu Ghraib. You know, yeah. look at the uh, you know they hung that on a, on a bunch of enlisted guys. Yep. There might have been one one commissioned officer that, that uh, their career got hurt over that, but you know. Everybody walks away smelling like a rose if they're at a certain rank or higher. And I think, you know, the same thing's going to happen here. The, the, the people that allowed this to happen, they're never going to uh, have any consequences or accountability yeah. out of this. You, right. You know. And while, while that's all happening, the real fight, the real division is, is the elite versus the rest of us, which is why we're average veterans. And while that's all <laughs> happening, we're sitting here bickering with our neighbors over stupid stuff. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when we should be angry about what's going on above us, the people we put in to do what we wanted, and they're not. Mm. But we're not. So maybe the insurrection on the 6th, maybe it was just a precursor for what, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I think people should demand better performance from, from government, regardless of who's in, in charge. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And if we all did it all the time, it would. Uh, I think it it would weaken their constant attempts at keeping us divided. Yeah. Yeah. And we still yeah. need term limits, though. We still need term limits. These guys that get in there and get filthy rich, and and they just keep this money flow going. It's it's what allows them to keep controlling things because their network gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. So we need to cut the term limits so they get in, get out, so they're no longer valuable to the money makers on the outside. And maybe it'd be helpful to have a lifetime ban on lobbying too after you've been in Congress. You know? Sure. Yeah. Tea Party was supposed to stop that. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> well, the they first Tea Party worked. The second one didn't. <laughs> they were like, whoa, our, our revenue just dropped. We need to hold up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to pull the pin on that one? Yeah. I think I so. Think there's a pull the pin, but uh, to be continued. Yeah, because we still yeah. we still want to talk about how the Taliban called us out about women's rights. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah, that had to be yeah. the most mic drop moment all over this. Yeah. When was that? You didn't see it, Brian? They were interviewing no. the Taliban, one of the Taliban guys, and he said, "You're going to talk to us about women's rights, and the United States has Facebook and all these other people silencing people." Oh yes, yeah. I did see that. Yes, yeah. another mic drop moment. Like, how do you respond to that? Yep. Well, and as of right now, Trump is not allowed on Twitter, but the Taliban still is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. So, why are we arguing with each other? Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, exactly. Mike's black, I'm white, so we must be enemies. That's it. Forget Keep about the people divided, up top. Man. Keep them divided, I'm telling you. Gosh, we are so stupid. Yes, we are. God. I'm not stupid. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're above average. We're just yeah, average. <laughs> so we're stupidly average. <laughs> he said, let's get that right. We got to get that straight right now, right? <laughs> the not-so-stupid right. veteran Brian. Yeah, not so average, right? <laughs> I love it, love it. Hey, All right, guys, let's uh, put a pin on that one. Thanks for inviting me on here, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, this one you get to you get to redeem yourself, um, and in a pull the pin because this is a normal episode. We're gonna pull the pin on something, or actually, you can you can do a shout out, or you can. Uh, uh, what's the other thing we do, Mike? A person of the week. Yeah, POW. So, we, we'll give you a minute to think. Maybe we'll start with it because Mike, I don't know, he's got something to say about the bathroom or something like that. The what? Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything. All right, all right. So so maybe I'm going to pull the pin on something because uh, obviously it's another area I like to go. Um, it, it's the carpool again. It, it's the carpool pickup lanes. I, I just don't get these parents. Like, I just don't get them. They create these, like, lines and these forms for things. They do everything so it runs smoothly, and yet you always have that parent that just – Parks in the wrong spot, pulls in the wrong plate. I'm like, people, can you seriously, just for once, stop thinking of yourself and be done with it? I'm just be done with it. Like, there's hundreds of people there, and all it takes is one idiot to screw up the whole lane. And guarantee you that idiot shows up. So I'm pulling the pin on them. Gone. Knock it off. All right. I think I'm going to pull the pin on, uh, I think I talked about this before, too, Jim. It's okay. We love it. Yeah. Just not pencils, right? Yeah, but uh, no, we. I, I was in traffic. You know, I, I hate, I hate it. Wait, 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 always, wait, wait. There's always a. Go ahead. Stop, Mike. You weren't <clears throat> in traffic. You were traffic. <laughs> yeah, I was trafficking, right? But um, <laughs> no, uh, there was a traffic jam like normal when you get close to Austin. But I was like, man, this is at this time of day, this time of week, it's not normal. You want to know what it was? There was an accident. Not one lane was blocked. Not one <laughs> from this accident. They were off on the shoulder. It just so happened police officer was there with the lights going, and everyone's just sitting there. You know, and he literally had to stop, come out, and tell everybody, just keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Because the ambulance was behind us, trying to get to the scene, but being held up by all of these people that want to see what's going on. I'm telling you, man, I just can't see one of my pet peeves. I hated it when I was a police officer. I've even dished out a couple of uh, citations because of it. You know, it's like my little pet peeve, if you will. But just keep driving, you know, or do like some people. Some people have a lot of respect for them. They get their phone out, but they're still driving, and they go like this while they're recording, so they can watch it later. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> yeah, but just keep driving, keep traffic going, because you never know who's behind you. They might have to get to that scene. So that's why I like to pull the pin on those drivers. Yeah, that's why people hate the cops, I bet. <sighs> what you got, Brian? Uh, all right, well, I'll, I'll throw out a little more lighthearted one. Um, I, I'm just going to pull the pin on people who feel the need to wear their COVID protective mask in their car while driving alone. Um, if you're that stupid, please just stay home. Just quarantine forever. We don't need you back. 
that's it. You gonna tell him, Mike? Yeah, hey, uh, Brian, I, I'm one of those people. <laughs> but it's, it's when I forget. Like, back in the day when we were just wearing the mask all the time for everything, I would literally get so used to it. And I get in the car, I'm just driving. And I see people looking at me, I'm like, what, the, what are they looking at, man? What is it? And I'm like, oh, crap. Well, but I, but Mike, you got an out. Twice. You got an out, Mike, because you're a person of color, and we know COVID goes after you. So you got an out. Right. You see what I got to deal with. COVID right? is racist. There's no <laughs> doubt. No doubt in my mind. Just based on the people who wear masks and the people who don't, COVID is clearly racist. <laughs> and Absolutely speaking of racist, true. Mike... This is all the time we have for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you come back. If you're a veteran, get on. If you're not, either you are, go to the website, pullthepinnerready.com. And until then, Godspeed. Hey, and pull the...